Richard Radio begins in three, two, one. God gave me a Ferrari because I am a Ferrari. You're a Ferrari too. When God made you, he had all the options put on. You are fully loaded and totally equipped. So do this with me. Where did we ever come up with the style of preaching we have today? There is some entertaining preaching, but not convicting preaching, and the legacy has been tragic. It's time for Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. What can we learn from Together for the Gospel? This is Wretched Radio. The last Together for the Gospel conference was held just days ago. Their sermons are being posted online, and we're going to march through them because, if you recall, we were promised we would have crystal clarity on the leaders of the Together for the Gospel conference and organization. You are going to know exactly where they stand on critical race theory. We will see if we get that clarity. But in the meantime, let's give a hearing to a panel discussion that happened between Pastor slash Dr. Kevin DeYoung and Pastor Bobby Smith. Kevin DeYoung articulating a critical position on critical race theory. Pastor Bobby Smith of a Bible church in Los Angeles, California, saying, look, I'm, I'm not a proponent, but I don't want to disparage it either. Now, that's a disagreement. How vast is that chasm? That's a question worth asking. And we should also ask, as opposed as I hope you are to CRT, all right, what can I can I learn anything here? Am I willing to have my understandings pressure tested? And I think that Bobby Smith helped us accomplish that. He does not appear to be anything close to resembling somebody who is a wild-eyed, woke proponent. So let's see what Pastor Bobby Smith had to say. And we will also hear a contrary position from Kevin DeYoung. I've always lived in a black community. I've only always gone to black schools. And so we're still fairly segregated. I don't mean this as a slight, but the seminary that I graduated with, with my second degree, and I love them, and they love me. They voted me student body president, predominantly white. That was a wake-up call for me, like, wow, so I, I mean, so, so they just looked at Bobby as a leader. But when I graduated my second degree, no one else noticed this but me. I was the only black graduate. And there's, and so, and even people look here that we still are fairly segregated. That is worth pondering, and I think we would do well to examine our pre-understandings about what the composition of a church should be. Must it reflect the community? Must it reflect the state or the nation? Is that the way we should go about building the church? And, and I think the answer to that is no. Let's be honest. There's a little something called history. And there are some churches that are indeed predominantly white. There are also some churches that are indeed predominantly black. How it got there, not the point of this conversation, but that's where we are. Is, is that innately sinful? And I think the answer is it can be, but it doesn't have to be. It could be a sin if you're keeping somebody out of your church or making somebody uncomfortable in your church because of their skin color. Um, you're sinning. But if it just so happens, that happens to be the complexion, the makeup, because of cultural issues, if you will, food preference issues, worship preference issues, that there are churches that are predominantly one or the other. It doesn't have to be sinful. And I've always thought it's a little, 
it's lacking the correct motivation to try to grow a church that meets some sort of racial quota. For instance, let's just say you are a part of a mostly white church, but somebody says, no, we need to be reflective of the community. Let's just say 13% of the people here need to be black because 13% of Americans are black. All right, what does that evangelism look like? Friendship evangelism, law gospel evangelism. What does it look like? Because lurking right behind it is, hi, I'd like to introduce myself. I noticed you because of your skin color. And I'm wondering if you'd like to come to our church so that we can have more diversity. That's that's why I'm talking to you. Now, there are people who wouldn't say that. But if that's the goal, I don't see how our hearts are in the right place. We share the gospel indiscriminately. We share it with everyone. We want to see the nation saved, not just a particular people group. So, Pastor Bobby, I think being a very reasonable sounding fellow, is trying to say, hey, we're segregated, and that ought not to be. Sunday morning, we're segregated all over. And that has, if separate is different, then it will have different outcomes. So critical race theory might be a helpful tool in that sense of trying to figure out why are we still separated? And if and, and do, I, do I need that? Do I need critical theory for that? I believe the answer is no, I don't. I don't. If, if our church doesn't want black people in it, I'm probably going to find another church or ask everybody to repent. I, 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 I don't need CRT to analyze the situation. And as Kevin DeYoung makes clear repeatedly, that isn't even what CRT is intended to do. So, for instance, Amat and Bailey, if you recall, Amat is a strong tower. Think medieval village. Surrounding the Mott is the Bailey, the city, and the town. In the Mott, we have shared values and ideas, a safe place where we all agree. But then there are people who leave the Mott, go out into the Bailey to spread their worldview. So here is this would be a Mott and Bailey critical race theory. Hey, don't you want to be able to understand our history better? Don't you want to understand why it is that we appear to be so segregated in the church? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, that, that's a good thing. Out of the Mott they go into the Bailey and go. Critical race theory helps us do that. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Wait, 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 wait. That's not what it does. Hold on. Don't you want to utilize anything that helps us understand racism? Yes, but your application of that ideal is what I have an issue with. And, and, and that is what I, I think we're hearing here, that somebody's trying to tell us that critical race theory is a helpful analytical tool. And we want helpful analytical tools, but thankfully we have one. I have the Bible that teaches me about skin color. I mean, we could bring this back to presuppositionalism anyway, couldn't we? How do we even know that racism is bad? It works for that group of people. It makes them happy. Therefore, it's okay. Besides, they're not hurting anybody. They're just harboring ill will in their hearts. They can't even say it's evil. The proponents of CRT that are secularists, they can't even say racism is evil. So CRT, in my estimation, does not do what Pastor Bobby Smith is saying that it does, because that's not what it is. I use my Christian voice. We have a calling to reconcile. We have a ministry of reconciliation. 
And we can grade ourselves since 1964. Have we done a good job of that? Have we really reconciled? Do our churches look like it? Do our communities look like it? Do our schools look like it? And there's a secular and a Christian answer to those. And I think from the Christian side, I think we could say we could do, I could just look out here and say, ah, we might be to do better. Okay. So he's looking out over a conference of predominantly white people to say, I think we can do better. My question is how? I would, again, I, I, I think that you could probably dismantle this argument, at least to a degree. Nevertheless, I offer it for your consideration. This particular conference, predominantly white, and a speaker saying, I think we can do better racially. Okay, so now what does that look like? How does that play itself out? Do we, for instance, we only will sell 63% of the chairs to white people, and if you're white and it's after the 63%, you can't attend because we've got to have other people. You go, well, that doesn't quite feel right. Furthermore, I go back to the evangelism example. Hi, neighbor. I'd like you to come to the conference because of your skin color. We need some diversity. Won't you come? It just introduces a motive that I don't think is all that helpful. Now, you may recall that earlier in this presentation, Pastor Bobby was talking about his past history and how his father was discriminated against, how his mother was the help. And he is the first generation to actually possess all American rights as a black man. Is that a powerful story? Yeah. Yeah, it is. Do our hearts go out for that history? Yeah, they certainly should. Do they, these historical events, still have a lingering impact? That is another one of the questions that these two tried to address. Is there something called systemic racism? And even if there are no more systems or laws that promote racist attitudes and behavior, are we still seeing the effects of that? Do we feel the effect? Is it reasonable for somebody to say, one of the reasons that our, our group of people are, are in this particular scenario of economics strata is, is it because of the way that our parents were treated and grandparents were treated? Can, can they say, hey, look, that, that just had an effect. And that type of stuff just doesn't tend to go away overnight. That is where this little debate between Pastor Bobby Smith, he is from Community Bible Church, Community of Faith Bible Church, rather, in Los Angeles, and Kevin DeYoung, I think, doing a good job of being reasonable, thoughtful, actually listening, and yet still willing to winsomely disagree with the understanding that critical race theory can indeed be a helpful analytical tool. We will continue listening to this debate next on Wretched Radio. Chances are pretty good you love Dr. John MacArthur's Master Seminary in Los Angeles, California, because they equip men to rightly divide the word of truth. But here's the replication strategy. The men from overseas come to Los Angeles, they get equipped, and then they return to their home country to start up a little mini master seminary. 
All of these guys that are doing this, and there are a hundred of our missionaries out there now doing this kind of training, they all come from the Master Seminary. And as a result of that, their theology is solid, sound. It's the same. So there's a unity to all of this. They take basically what they experienced in training at the Master Seminary and Grace Community Church. They train pastors the way they were trained, and they train them to handle the Word of God accurately. Amazing. Would you please consider sponsoring your own seminary? You can learn more at wretched.org slash pastor, wretched.org slash pastor. Hey, thanks for listening to Wretched Radio today and get ready to take some notes because I'm about to save you from being canceled by your very own kids. Are you being a sharent? You know, the person who shares way too much about their personal life on social media. Yeah, if you're looking at the radio all crazy right now, I'm likely talking about you. But look, don't get offended. Just get better. How, you may ask? Simple. Spend less time on social media and more time at Wretched.org. You may have noticed the Wretched website recently got a facelift. And you'll find the new look easier to navigate and locate all of our amazing, yes, amazing content. Like full daily Wretched TV and radio episodes, the Wretched store is loaded with tons of new resources, and the donate page has complete information on how you can become a monthly ongoing gospel partner. So stop embarrassing your kids. Don't be a Sharon. Spend your time instead at Wretched.org. It just hits different. Wretched, amazing grace, amazing gospel. Here's a preborn story that starts out a little on the bitter side, but ends up being very sweet. Neighborhood pastor's daughter ends up pregnant, and she was very abortion-minded, not wanting to face the consequences of her indiscretion. And she met her baby on the ultrasound. She just wept uncontrollably. Couldn't do it. That baby's alive today because an ultrasound was underwritten for a girl. And otherwise, even though she was a Christian, saw abortion as the easy answer. That is the power of an ultrasound. When a woman in crisis sees her baby, 80% of the time she chooses life for just $28, you could provide one of those ultrasounds. But I would ask you, how many ultrasounds might you be able to provide? The more ultrasounds, the more saved babies. Please consider what you can do at preborn.org slash wretched, preborn.org slash wretched. Know your church fathers. Gregory of Nyssa was an opponent of Arianism at the Council of Constantinople in 381. He wrote a book called Not Three Gods, explaining that there is one God in three persons. Each member of the Trinity is fully God with all the divine attributes, yet each member of the Trinity is a distinct person. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Together for the gospel, no longer together, and... Maybe not entirely together regarding critical race theory. This is Wretched Radio panel discussion at the final T4G. Just days ago, Kevin DeYoung saying we need to be critical of CRT. Pastor Bobby Smith saying, well, maybe it can help us in some way, shape or form. Maybe that there are things that it can help us with. Therefore, we can say good on critical theory for that. I would actually suggest to you the comments that you're about to hear from Pastor Bobby that I don't think anybody would argue with. Actually, I think it undermined his presentation that critical race theory is helpful in understanding our history because 
he drives us, rightly so, back to the Bible. In Isaiah chapter 52, here in the prophet is summarizing Israel's history. And as he summarizes Israel's history, he says this in verse 4, For thus says the Lord God, My people went down at the first into Egypt to sojourn there, and the Assyrian oppressed them for nothing. The Bible talks about groups oppressing other groups, and we don't have to qualify that, whether well, they're virtuous victims or that people really, groups do oppress groups, and the Bible just says that. That's why I don't need CRT. Right there. And that was a phenomenon that happened in our American history. And so if groups can oppress other groups, and the Bible says that, we also can ask, are they, what remedies are that for that? And have the remedies we applied, did they effectively work? And I think we can disagree over that, but we can have conversations with our Bibles open as Christians at that point. Whilst tempted to pursue that question, let's just stick with CRT. I think that the Bible teaches us everything. Yeah, people, they, they oppress people. Yep, we see that in the Bible. We shouldn't be shocked that we've seen it in the history of every other nation. That's why I don't need CRT. And remember... That is not what CRT is built to do. I, I like, I agree with everything you're, you, you said. I, I don't think that's critical race theory. So we'll set that up. That's, that's, that's really an important part of this conversation. Otherwise, we're kind of dealing with a Martin Bailey here. Mark Dever injects for the sake of clarity. Right. Make sure. So the observations Bobby's making about the, the situation in American history in the last 60, 70 years, this is also what you see. I, I think the questions you're raising are good questions. And I think, I think we have the residual effects. How could we not? I mean, just your own personal biography. Hold on right there. Kevin D. Young saying we do feel residual effects from formerly codified racist legislation and really a kind of a culturally acceptable attitude about having a negative feeling about another people group. You can disagree with Kevin on that. You, 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 you can say, nope, there's, there's no reason for those effects anymore. I would say this. I think that disagreement isn't worthy, though, of division. How could we not have residual effects of legacy of slavery and Jim Crow and all the rest. What, what I do want to press in, because we've had these conversations. And, and Let me say this really quick. Okay. I think a lot of people say there is no residual effect. I, I, you're saying that, and I think that's helpful for the conversation. I think some people say I think you're right. we reached a colorblind society. Don't bring up race. If you bring up race, and you bring, you're creating the problem, and you're the racist. There are people who literally say that. And I disagree with that. I disagree with that strongly, and I think we need to acknowledge that. I think any monocausal explanation for racial disparities is bound to be incorrect. Life is complicated. Humans make decisions for all sorts of reasons that are bound up in family and history and institutions and cultures and religion and decisions. So it's not one thing, it's many things. What I would want to say, because I think what makes these panels helpful is if we, we push and pull on each other. We've had these conversations in private before, and I, I love Bobby and I respect him, and I love his preaching of the gospel. Often, we end up talking about many different things. Are we talking about the past, the present, or the future? And the past certainly matters, and we can talk about what happened in American history, why did it happen. 
I think we've traded a, if we've traded a hagiographical view of American history, we've now have in many places a hamartiography, meaning it, it's not all saints, now it's, it's all sinners. And I think that is part of critical race theory to have a revisionist view of American history, where I don't think that's how King or how Frederick Douglass, I think they viewed the founding generation as inconsistent, uh, sadly hypocritical, but putting in place the right sort of things that we need to have the full purchase of. So I think what becomes difficult is, are we talking about what happened in the past and why? Are we talking about where things are in the present? Or are we talking about how things can become better in the future? And obviously, they're all connected. But I'll just lean into that. What I think one of the difficulties, I think for many people, Christianity starts to feel impossible, meaning I want to recognize the hurt, the history. I want to recognize and acknowledge it's worse than many people in majority culture learned. I think also then what many people sense and, and where the, the issue is, is what, what do I do about that? I can't change that Thomas Jefferson had slaves. I can't change that they did redlining. I can't change what happened up to the civil rights legislation and what's happened even since then. And I think then a, a secondary question is, can we acknowledge that we're, it's not 1619 or 1776 or 1865 or 1964, and then actually a lot of things have gotten, maybe not as good as many white people think, but they actually have gotten a lot better, and we are in a better place. And when you see the New York Times since 2014, you know, averaging, what, 500, you know, references to racism, and then it spikes and white supremacy spikes when you combine WAPO and USA Today and New York Times. Why is it when I think objectively, probably no time in American history has there been less racism? I'm not saying no racism or that it's not insidious and pervasive and maybe that's just uh, cultural norms that force us to press it down. But even that signifies something good, that racism is so stigmatized. Why is it in a time where there's less institutional racism, less personal racism, I think than ever before, we see mainstream news outlets in all of our major entertainment outlets talking about it more than ever before. And maybe, you, I don't speak for you, you may say, well, because you, you haven't seen it or you haven't been willing to see it. I'm not saying me personally, but just whites haven't. And I think that's a very fair point and critique, and we need to own up to that history. And yet I think that also ends, leads to a, a dead end in the conversation, a sense of helplessness, like, what do we do? I mean, someone just came to my church this Sunday, and it's just their own anecdote. Maybe they're inaccurate. They said, it was first time visiting your church. Our pastor, a white pastor, has been telling us to repent of our whiteness. I said, I don't know what to, God made me white. I don't know how to repent of it. I don't want to be a racist. I don't want to have the sin of partiality. Um, but I'm a white supremacist now. That's an, impo that's an impossible burden. And I, and I do think many people, it's not just cranks on the far right who are trying to gin up votes. I think good, ordinary, faithful church people are, are feeling that. 
Mark Dever moderating a discussion between the voice you just heard, which is Kevin DeYoung with Pastor Bobby Smith talking about the issue of racism. And we now are confronted with a question. And I would really encourage you to perhaps think this question through more than anything else that we've heard. We've spent now two programs trying to fairly work through the subject matter that was presented at T4G regarding critical race theory. Most of it, if you listen to this program with any regularity, and I can't imagine anybody would, but you've, you've probably heard much of this in different packages and forms presented before, at least the, the more of the Kevin DeYoung position and critiques of the Bobby Smith position on CRT. But now that you've heard most, not all of it, but you've heard most of their presentation, most of it. Question, did you agree with everything they both said? Did you Jot and tittle say, amen, amen, amen. Or were there places where you said, I don't think so, Kevin. No, I'm not with you on this one, Bobby. And if you didn't agree with everything, and I don't think you probably did, because <laughs> I didn't. There were, there were nuances of both where I'm like, eh, but the question then that lies before us is the disagreement that we have, that we've heard. Now, we're just limiting it to what we've heard, not to the totality of the conversation on CRT, but what we just heard. Is there anything that you heard that is worthy of division, that is worthy of separation, that should cause you to say, Kevin DeYoung, he's out of the camp. Bobby Smith, he is not a part of the Christian community. Is there anything that you heard that would bring you to that conclusion? That might be the most important question we can ask. This is Wretched Radio. This is Wretched Radio, and I'm Jimmy Hicks. Now, the president spoke to a gathering of teachers at the White House yesterday, reportedly telling the teachers that school children are, quote, yours when they're in the classroom. And to that, I would ask, there's how? There's to educate? Sure, absolutely. There's to indoctrinate? Not a chance. And here's another quote from the president during that same speech. If you got to do one thing to make sure the nation succeeded in the next two generations, you'd want, I would say, have the best educated public in the world. I totally agree with that statement. But having the best educated public doesn't mean telling five-year-olds that they can be whatever gender they feel like that day or telling six-year-olds things of a sexual nature. That's not education. That's sick and twisted perversion. Which is why it comes as no surprise that Democratic lawmakers in Rhode Island are pushing legislation that would teach children, quote, pleasure-based sexual relations. The bill outlines that the new curriculum would also teach different sexual orientations, gender expression, gender identity, and other things schools have zero business talking to your children about. You know, if laws like this wind up passing all over the country, we're going to eventually have kids graduate high school with doctorate-level educations in sexual perversion, but have zero knowledge of, you know, balancing a checkbook or what their credit score means. They'll know nothing to actually help them be productive in life 
But that's exactly what the leaders that are proposing these laws are actually aiming for. Tennessee Governor Bill Haslam signed a bill last week that would create penalties for schools that failed to follow the state's rules regarding biological males competing in girls' sports. The law takes effect in July and says state funding would be withheld from school districts that failed to establish what a student's sex is in order to take part in middle and high school sports. Glad that there are some states that put laws like this on the books, but extremely disappointed they even have to. Hey, there's good news for those of you using Google Docs. If you've been frustrated recently that you haven't had enough inclusive suggestions from Google, that's about to end. Google has announced that their apps will soon be updated with additional assistive writing suggestions to help you create impactful documents faster. And discriminatory language that you type out will be flagged. Not sure exactly what that means, but it kind of sounds like a threat that you have to create documents with Google's left-wing ideology. And if you don't, they'll flag you and report you to somebody just not sure who. You know, this is pretty helpful because in a culture and society that doesn't allow you to think for yourself, Google is stepping up to the plate and doing all the thinking for us. Thanks, Google. More Wretched Radio is straight ahead. I'm Jimmy Hicks. Important dates in Christian history. 1273. Thomas Aquinas completes work on Summa Theologica, the theological masterpiece of the Middle Ages. Aquinas synthesized faith and reason, incorporating Aristotelian philosophy into his work and provided a theological framework for Catholic doctrine. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Will we hear a peep from little Bo Peep? This is Wretched Radio. Jimmy, you've been awfully quiet during the playing of a debate from the final Together for the Gospel Conference, moderated by Mark Dever, Kevin DeYoung, telling us to be critical of critical race theory. Pastor Bobby Smith from a Bible church in Los Angeles stating there can be some stuff that it helps with. There is a there is a division of understanding of CRT between these two parties. Jimmy, question number one. Okay. With which man did you agree most? Kevin DeYoung. Did you agree with Kevin DeYoung 100% on everything? Uh, no. So he's a heretic? <laughs> no. Oh, he's a false teacher. That's it. Apostate. No, <laughs> no, no. Okay. What, what, what was it that Kevin said where you went, eh... Well, I mean, it, it was the, the moment or the, the part where he talked about the residual f- effects of racism. Okay. I, I don't think he was completely clear. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That, you know what, that might be, and he might even agree with you on that. Would that disagreement with Kevin DeYoung keep you from sitting underneath his preaching? No. Taking communion with him? No. So he's a brother. Yeah, absolutely. Even though you disagree on just to some degree on something that was said in a conversation about CRT. Right, right. Hmm. Well, that's that's fascinating. Let's go to the other side of Mark Dever, Pastor Bobby Smith from a Bible church in Los Angeles. Did you agree with everything that he said? No. Did you disagree with more things? Yes. So he's a heretic. <laughs> no, I don't think so. <laughs> False teacher. No. Apostate. No. Dangerous. No. Okay. So what was it that you disagreed with Bobby Smith regarding CRT? 
I think the biggest thing that uh, I disagreed with from the clips we heard was uh, the part where he talked about CRT being a big or a little T truth. All right. I, I don't think CRT is truth at all. I, I agree with you. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, di- I disagree with that, too. But that understanding of CRT or just even the concept that there can be a capital T, small T, tr- T truth. Mm-hmm. Is that enough based on what you've heard for you to break fellowship with Bobby? No. Yeah. So this leaves us in a bit of a precarious spot now, doesn't it? Mm-hmm. It seems that believers, genuine believers, can have a difference of opinion on sociological issues and some theological issues. If I asked you to give your assessment of President Bill Clinton, let's just let's just pick him because you've got a strong opinion about it. And uh, um, perhaps you uh, were in a room with somebody who's a Christian and you said, uh, Bill Clinton, he was terrible president. He was what he did in the Oval Office. Uh, He really hurt the country. And somebody in the room says, yeah, I disagree. But, you know, some of his policies actually help the economy. Hold on. You have got a difference of opinion on a political subject or a political judgment. There's nothing theological in that that should cause division. And in CRT, there are some subjects that we can disagree with each other and still have fellowship because many of these issues are sociological and historical. You heard that a lot. That This is going back to assess how did the systems get dealt with? Were the 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 legislation, the great society, the whatever you want to call it, the repairing of the damages, was it sufficient and helpful? Best I can tell, that is all sociology. That is all history and an assessment. Let's just say you're in a room with a fellow believer and you've got a disagreement on Napoleon Bonaparte and how much he contributed to our current French culture. You're going to divide over that? Now, having said that, can a person move from, well, I disagree with you, bro, but, you know, we can still get along. Let, let, we can do this activity together because that just doesn't rise to a level of division. Now, what would be a potential next step? It starts to get a little bit more serious or somebody starts to become super adamant or demanding things that you think are anti-biblical. You might be able to say, bro, um, I think you need to dial that one back. I, I think I think you're starting to stray here and I'm getting a little concerned. There should be that space. Next to that space, there most certainly can be. Uh, you know, this this is moved from sociology and history into theology and into theology proper and Christology and soteriology. And look, I'm not saying that you're a heretic, apostate, or a false teacher. I'm just really concerned, and I don't know that you and I should be laboring together or or even doing church together. There should be that space. Next to that space, you've got yourself false teacher, apostate, heretic. That is the big gun. That is the final conclusion after the preceding steps have been taken. There are times when we should be saying, no, 
CRT is not a part of the gospel. And if you present the gospel in such a way that it wraps social justice in it, I have very, very, very big concerns about your theology and your understanding of grace alone, faith alone, and Christ alone, because you are adding a work of social justice to the gospel of grace. That sh- that Those people exist. But so do the ones with whom we should go, "Um, I'm probably not going to hang with that guy. And there should be the ones where we go, I'm getting a little concerned about you. And there should be the ones where we go, well, bro, we just disagree. But I guess we see sociology differently. There should be different degrees. And this, this really goes back to the issue of discernment. Discernment is one that is, uh, I, I, I don't like using not black and white because there is black and white. Okay, there, there, there's, there's right and there's wrong. I'm not, I'm not a fan of gray. So I'm not, a, I'm not a proponent of just take the middle squishy road. I don't like that position at all. I think it's a little more sophisticated than that. There is right, there is wrong. But along the way, there can be disagreements that don't destroy a relationship. And we need to make sure that we're being really careful to find those areas and let those areas actually exist without automatically stating you disagree with me on this, I, then I can't have fellowship with you. Now, in fairness to Bobby Smith, uh, I disagreed with him on several things. I, there was, and, and in fact, one last clip that we have from him, I'm hearing stuff where it's like, yeah, I, 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 no, I wouldn't say, no, I don't agree with that. But I've got to ask the question, does it rise to the level of separation? Uh, Kevin, you're not a white supremacist. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think it's important to say, and, and I'm, I'm really frustrated at the Christian voice in this con- conversation when we weaponize words. When we don't speak like brothers, if we, speak the, we don't speak the truth in love, then we're not being instruments of reconciliation. I think we need to strive for having one mind in these conversations. And I think it has to start with the church. I, 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 you know, I, I'm going to let the world do what the world does. They don't have the Holy Spirit. Right. Jimmy, is there anything about the comment that Pastor Bobby just made that you disagree with? Uh, yes. What is it? Uh, wh- where he says right there, where he says, uh, I'm going to let the world do what the world does. Mm-hmm. They don't have the Holy Spirit. They haven't been reconciled. Then what comes to mind is then if that's what you believe, which is what you should believe, then why are you advocating that a worldly worldview is helpful? So he is a heretic. <laughs> no, I didn't say yeah, that. See, okay. So we, we can do that. It's like, okay, I can listen. I don't even need to respond to everything he says where it's like, ah, I don't quite agree with that. I just want to make sure that we are all being good discerners. We have a tendency to just, nope, you said this, therefore you're out. You use this word, not that word. Yeah, you hinted that you're opposed, but it's not enough. Or you're hinting that you're for more than I. We just want to proceed with caution because Jesus loves unity. Yes, it must be grounded in the truth, but we need to determine what level of disagreement we actually possess. Um, They haven't been reconciled to God and to each other. The wall hasn't been torn down between them opposing groups, but it has between Christians. And so I think we have to use, you know, the, the grace that God has given to us to model this unity that Christ died for us to have. And I think we have to do that. And I think we're doing it now. And I think one of the reasons why we're hearing a lot about, you know, racism now and 
Um, and it is because of the legacy of a past that when we were, we were really segregated. Um, so black and white people didn't go to the same schools, didn't go to the same Bible conferences. And because we did that for so many years, our platforms are still fairly segregated. Now, I could say yes, but that doesn't necessarily have to be sinful. But Bobby would disagree with me that, well, we should work toward ending those. I would say, well, of course, we welcome anybody of any color anytime they want to come. But I'm not going to kind of create a program so that we can meet quotas. But I'd listen to this man preach. I would be discerning, of course, like we are with everybody. But I want to be careful before I call somebody a heretic, false teacher, apostate, that I have genuine grounds to do so. This is Wretched Radio. Confession, normally numbers aren't my favorite subject, but these numbers make me happy. MediShare is affordable biblical health sharing with twice the satisfaction rate of MediShare members versus traditional health insurance plans. The average family saves $500 per month. Over $3 billion worth of medical bills have been shared among MediShare members, which, by the way, MediShare has been around for a quarter of a century. Don't forget, telehealth is available at MediShare, and it will take you two minutes to receive a quote to see what you and your family could be saving every single month with MediShare. Affordable biblical health sharing. Please spend a very worthwhile two minutes at 844-34-BIBLE, 844-34-BIBLE. I could spend the next 60 seconds telling you things like Wretched Radio airs on over 820 Christian radio stations, or Wretched TV appears on 125 Christian TV stations. I could tell you that the Wretched Radio podcast has had nearly 5 million downloads in the last year, or the Wretched YouTube channel has had nearly 125 million all-time views. But I'm not going to do that. Instead, I'm going to say thank you. Thank you for your continued support that has helped us reach millions of people all all over the world with the gospel. Wretched Radio and TV, Road Trip to Truth, and our newest production, Transformed, are all possible because of the support of our gospel partners. If you're not a gospel partner, would you please prayerfully consider becoming one? We rely on your kindness and your generosity and your ongoing prayers. Visit wretched.org slash donate to get all of the details. That's wretched.org slash donate, or you can text the word wretched to the number 44321. This is our dear brother Max in Ukraine, who's been a Tomorrow Club leader now for almost 20 years, giving us a picture of what is going on currently in Ukraine, specifically regarding the activity of the Tomorrow Clubs, normally kids' clubs where they meet every week to hear the gospel. But right now, those Tomorrow Club leaders are spending their efforts simply trying to minister to people who are in danger or who have nothing. And our Tomorrow Club leaders in the West are trying to, to meet the needs of those families who had to escape, serving them a good opportunity to show Christ to them in this time of trial. There are many who need the bare necessities of life. Tomorrow Clubs is trying to serve them in that regard. Would you please consider what you might do for Ukrainian believers at tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched.
books of the Bible. Amos was a shepherd called to prophesy during a time of prosperity in Israel and Judah. But this prosperity was accompanied by idolatry, extravagance, and corruption. When you consider the society you live in, Amos declares that God judges societies by his standard of righteousness. He hates all corruption and injustice. This is Wretched Radio with Todd Friel. Well, here's another lousy idea. This is Wretched Radio. So I says, Jimmy, Jimmy, you got anything else you want to say? And his response was, you mean about CRT or anything else? Which indicates somebody has issues. Now, I know you have issues. Right. But it appears you have issues with me. <laughs> no, I don't have issues with Nothing. you. No. So we're good. To go. Any corrections, anything that you think I should say better or differently? No, no. So I was perfect. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Because I'm a talk show host. Right. I was never wrong about anything. <laughs> so we're good to go. I think so. All right. Let's see if this can cause some division. Iron. Criticizing. Hey, did you see the viral video seen by tens of millions of people? It was a pastor returning from what appeared to be a missions trip, decided to get up and sing a song, and it's gone viral. This is what it sounded like. then i think we get the point question should that fellow have done that jimmy would you say that cool got up singing a song it's about jesus great witness and testimony or would you say bad form yeah i would probably say bad form see i gotta go with you on that i'm afraid we've got agreement again this is not going to work Jimmy, if we're going to be evangelicals together, we have to fight over everything. So if you don't oh. mind, could you just say it was wonderful? It was wonderful. I don't think so. And here's why. There were other people on the plane besides the kids on the missions trip. Do I think it's great if we go into public places and proclaim the gospel? Yes. I think it should be done strategically. I think it should be done with consideration for people. And I just don't think it was considerate of people who don't want to hear this. And I'm looking right now at this TikTok video at people responding to it, and they aren't nuts about it. They clearly are not enjoying it. This guy's got his arms folded and he looks kind of sour. Imagine that you were on a plane and a different religion did that. You'd be like, uh, not the time nor the place. Here are the details. It looks like it was a Kingdom Realm Ministries pastor who decided to jump up and sing How Great Is Our God during a commercial flight out of Poland heading back to the U.S. of A. Well, politicians decided to chime in. Somebody needs to perhaps get a spiritual advisor to the liberals because wow do they say stuff that's just like not thoughtful that's all okay for instance i've got for your consider this this is the one okay here it is right here chuck schumer (laughs) chuck schumer 
saying that Katanji Brown Jackson's confirmation is similar to Jesus Christ's resurrection. Um, no, I don't think it was actually at all. She she didn't actually die. Jesus actually did. The Democrat began his address to worshipers at A.R. Bernard's Christian Cultural Center megachurch in New York City. That's interesting. During Easter, by stating the stone has been rolled away from the tomb. And she's now on the Supreme Court. Um, don't do that, Chuck. Just don't, because we, we don't like you talking about Christian things when you don't believe them. Could you, could you not do that? Here's another example of, well, at least somebody who's in politics. MSNBC analysis claims Jesus Christ would be called a groomer if alive today. Okay. Um, no, he wouldn't. But we do happen to think that indoctrinating little children in gender fluidity is actually child abuse. Uh, when, when, when did Jesus ever say anything like that? He didn't say, permit the little children to change their genders. He said, permit the little children to come. And if you harm one of these little ones, better to have a millstone tied around your neck and you get dropped into a deep hole of water. If you offend or hurt one of these little ones because they're precious to Jesus. MSNBC saying somehow, I don't know how this analyst got there. If Jesus Christ were on the earth, he'd be called a groomer, woke, and a socialist. Um, no, no, that's, that's not correct. This is from the MSNBC program Deadline. That sounds, there's a, I just drove by a restaurant. It's called Terminal Restaurant. I don't think that's a good idea. I just, <laughs> you know, food poisoning cafe, right up there with that same idea. Uh, from the article, uh, it's stated that the person's name, it doesn't really matter. The point is they really should use some coaching on how to talk about Christianity because Ilan Omar said regarding the Guitar strum and pastor taking over an airplane. I think my family and I should have a prayer session next time I'm on a plane. How do you think that will end? Um, you know what? I disagree with what the dude did, but you should just be a little more thoughtful, Elon. Say that you disagreed. Say, hey, you know, in a place like that, if we could have neutral territory, that would be a good thing. I'm, I'm sure you'd appreciate it if, you know, other people didn't do things like that. Cool. But she just has a way of just... Mm. The minister captioned the video, quote, We are taking this flight over for Jesus. Shouldn't it be taking over this flight for Jesus? Was that splitting? Okay, whatever. So that was the idea. After asking the air host, now here's some more deals, details. After asking the air host, apparently that's what flight attendants are known as now, air hosts. I did not know that. My apologies for being so insensitive for so many decades. After asking the air host if they could sing the song, the pastor said she took a step back and she was so surprised and so happy. She's like, oh, wow, really? This would be so beautiful. So she went to the pilot and asked the pilot. The pilot was in agreement and everyone was in agreement. All right. Does that mean that was a good idea? And I think the answer is no. 
I don't think it's a good idea to do open-air preaching in front of a cafe of people who are assembled to eat their lunch, and, and we, we interrupt it by broadcasting over them. I just think we need to find better places, different places to do these things where it doesn't cause a stumbling block. So the pilot said, okay, then she jumped on the intercom and goes, hey, passengers, we have guests from all around the world who've been serving in Ukraine and helping the beautiful Ukrainian refugees, and they want to sing one song just to bring joy and hope to you in this time. And this is what they got. By the way, when they were singing the name above all names, the phone took a shot out the window. Ah. Hey. But they did right there. Okay, wait a second. Okay. Not everybody on this flight is thrilled with that. So even with permission, just not great for them. By the way, if you want to help Ukraine, don't forget tomorrow clubs are still laboring away over there. It's a mess. Uh, you know, so many people are talking about the Russians this and the Ukrainians that. I, 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 uh, the leadership of one versus the other. I can't discern those things, but I do know that there's a lot of people hurting. I do know that there's a lot of people struggling. And if you would like to help them, our brothers and sisters sure could use it in Ukraine right now. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. And you could be helping your brothers and sisters because the leaders, there's, there could be as many as a thousand clubs in Ukraine. I don't know the number. It's a lot. Instead of doing their kids' clubs, they are going to door to door to help people with stuff, trying to make sure that they are getting water and food. So they are continuing. They're, they're doing that work until they can continue doing the Tomorrow Clubs. They could use your support at this time. Tomorrowclubs.org slash wretched. She announced... And everyone clapped a bunch of smiles on the plane. And we stood to our feet with our team and we sang, How Great Is Our God, a beautiful song. Um, Not everybody was clapping. Then we shared with them, Hey, this might be the most interesting plane flight that you've ever been on in your life. But we're here to bring joy and happiness. And just to tell you, God loves you and he's with you. That is not a great message to send <laughs> if that's the totality of what your gospel presentation is. What did you say they named the, the video? They named it Taking Over a Flight for Jesus, something like that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I was taking just, this flight over for Jesus. I, I didn't realize he had lost control of it. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I think he might have lost his tuning fork. But other than that, let's just be mindful... There are good ways to witness, do open-air preaching, and even singing in public. But it should at least be in, you know, public. Until tomorrow, glad we could agree. Go serve your king.